It's a blast from the past on this week's episode of The Cash Compound. Stick with me and let's go back in time. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's Jay Dew and my in-studio guest this week for the Cash Compound podcast, where we crack the code to cash flow. You know how we do. And if you don't know how we do, welcome. You're in for a treat because I'm bringing back a buddy of mine. We met when I was B18. Okay. okay. I guess you were 19 at the time. <laughs> Probably right around Okay. There. So we met in college, ladies and gentlemen, back in the 2000s, right? <clears throat> so around. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I still got all my hair. All right. I've got more hair. It's just... In different places. Okay. Different places. I, I see one <laughs> massive place. I'm not going to ask where the other places, plural, are. Wise, wise move. Yes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Steve Indries in studio. He's exciting and doing something very new that gonna help uh, going to help us and me crack the code to cash flow, more of our mission moving forward. But we've got to go back in time a little bit uh, because I did not know you, sir, in a context of this sales and entrepreneurship. So- Tell us about your background, how we met, and kind of, you know, a little bit about how we got here today. Yeah, man. Um, first off, yeah, thanks for letting me be here. This is great. Oh, yeah. Um, so, man, my first experience, my first J-Do experience has to probably be, well, I can't think of the year, 2002, 2003, okay. something right. like that. Very good. So we're at uh, we're in school, and uh, we joined the same society. You mm-hmm. were here uh, below me, I believe. Yes, I don't know if you remember this. We, in society, I was in charge of... So we went uh, to a private Christian college, a four-year liberal arts place, yeah. and so this is our frat. This is the frat. So we are, uh, we, in our weekly meeting um, for the society, Brett Ingalls. Remember him? Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. was uh, in charge... Breton. Breton. Because <laughs> you're Stephen Jeremiah. He's Breton. That's right. Yes. He was in charge of the game time, or whatever the activity was, and yeah. he picked you and me to figure out what to do, and my recommendation was... Give Jeremiah do a chalkboard and let him say and do whatever he wants to do <laughs> while we do an activity. Okay. And uh, it worked out pretty well I for us. I do not remember what transpired. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I do remember that. Good. So this is going to be my first semester of school mm-hmm. because the next semester I was voted in by the gr- the crew to be the guy to always lead the games. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So that started very that was, quickly in my career. That was an there. easy vote. Um so, yeah, man, uh, connected in society way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, I married a girl that went to your high school. Yes, I, yeah, I went so, to high school with your wife. She's um, a couple Melissa. years behind me. Yep. Yeah. And uh-huh. so there's been a few times where I've re-engaged in, like, uh, going to basketball games yeah. at school and you were there. Yep. Um, and then our paths have crossed um, various and sundry times. Of course, we got the, the house uh, where Eckert and Ethan Messier and all those guys were, and you came out in Malden. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I forgot you were there. Dude, were you there the I, night of the raccoon? I was the I was the raccoon. You, <laughs> that comes up, okay. That comes up so yeah. often. Okay, it came up within a month ago. I was the one. Oh, who, yes. I was the one holding the pitchfork. One hundred. I was the one screaming and sweating from behind the door. Yes. You and Joni. I yes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is a whole nother podcast that we're going to have to start. Terrifying. However, the point of this is that these are college dudes, right? College bros. What happened was we got buddies with a rental house, and we had just gotten to summer break, right? Everybody moves off camp. Most of us all lived on the campus. We move off campus. We got a house. We're hanging out, and this is someone's furnished house. The people who own the home yeah. were wonderful old Folks Never met in these Colorado, people. <laughs> I don't and know. And they had a cat. 
named Oscar, and they told yes. us to take care of Oscar. And we were happy to do it, and but a big old raccoon kept showing up. Yes, and they were like eating the cat food in if, the garage. If you see a rat, that raccoon, yes. you kill it. You take care of it. It's going to kill Oscar. It's going to mess our stuff up. And so we. Um, it was the scariest, <laughs> the scariest thirty minutes of my life up to that point. Yes, it involved a pitchfork. Have you ever tried to pitchfork a raccoon to death? It Impossible. <laughs> I watched these guys put their back into Listen, it, and have, you do not pierce the skin I'll, on that. thing. I won't even go into all the details, but this is a rhinoceros Dan, skin. Dan Pete's. Was there, and Dan had done some work for an older couple at a church, and as a nice gift, they gave him two imitation samurai swords as a gift. Oh, my gosh. And so we There was a baseball bat involved. The baseball bat was the insurance policy. (laughs) Um, That was the one that sealed the deal. Oh, goodness. It was so scary. Awful. Ting, 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 coming over the top. I've told that story within the last 60 days. raccoons scream like human children. It was hiss. A second it, it into a it, hiss, I was like, "Yell, I'm, scream, ting, 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 ting." Holding the pitchfork in a second, and I was like, "This is this, a terrible yeah. decision." What Do not doing? let go. That man did not let, let go. go. <laughs> did not let go for a long time. Okay, so oh, that's how man. we met. Yeah, that's how we met, right? A lot of history. Regular, yeah. regular dude stuff. Yep. Back in the early 2000s, that's what you do. So uh, you have been uh, – so catch us up here. Uh, after school, uh, you had a degree but probably that had nothing to do with what you've been doing in the last few years. That's right. And uh, we've reconnected because uh, your where we're headed with money and helping people get to financial freedom and where you're headed is actually different sides of the same mountain. So tell us how you kind of got there and uh, who you're working for currently somewhat as well. You've uh, run into some big names out there. Yeah. So basically the last 20 years, um, I've been in sales in one form or another. And um, the story of my life has just kind of been I get into an arena company and um, try to work my way up and then get, you know, um, restless. I want more. I want something better. Super grateful for the companies that I've worked for, but I've always felt like I could do something more, wanted to be more active, and so ended up in the pharmaceutical world and, and had some success there. But um, real estate in particular has always been mm-hmm. uh, of interest to me. Okay, And so <clears throat> there's a real estate um, influencer, um, Ryan Pineda, yeah. um, company called Future Flipper, now we're called Wealthy Investor. I joined that program because – I wanted to get into real estate. As so, a consumer, as a client. That's right. You wanted so to learn. Okay. I've got a rental house. Yeah. I've got a rental, a duplex that I rent. Okay. I've wholesaled some deals. <clears throat> and um, just one thing led to another, and they ended up asking me if I'd be interested in working for the company. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, relationships are really a big deal. If I can actually be on the inside of this company, get to know Ryan and these guys, um, it's only going to help. And so a little over a year ago, I ended up working for Future Flipper. I still work for the company now. Um, my role in the company would be called a, a closer. So we sell high-ticket items that would be uh, considered high-ticket Coaching services sales. and programs and things like 10, that. $10,000, yeah. $30,000 type programs. <laughs> and I get to engage with these investors who are wanting to change their life. And I've been really successful in so doing that. And I think part of the reason is because I'm speaking their language. And and maybe three months ago, my wife told me, she said, you know, I think one of the reasons that you're so good at your job is because you want to be the person that you're coaching them to be. Mm. And I was took it as a compliment, yeah. but it also hit me deep that I was like, am I doing yeah, enough? Or? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's so true. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, 
having the opportunity to be in that environment, to see people like Ryan and the people that he has around him and the type of investors that end up being part of our coaching, um, it's inspiring. And, uh, but it also, there's almost the proximity principle. You get around these people more and more yeah. and you just begin to say, you know, well, why can't I do this? So, um, you know, I was wanting to get into real estate, but then I get hired by the company and it was such a good opportunity. I just dove into it and grateful that I did. And it's been an incredible experience, but again, kind of getting the, 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 itch. the getting, getting the itch again, I'm going, okay, now I want to actually do this myself. And so for the last few months, I've um, just made the commitment um, to start a business um, to jump into multifamily investing. So yeah. apartments, mobile home parks, um, self-storage units, hotels, things like that. And so that's really kind of where I'm at. And you yeah, and I man. had the chance to connect because I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a podcast. And uh, if there's anybody that uh, is in my circle, uh, other than Ryan Pineda, that that knows this world, it's you. And as soon as you found out, then you're like, let's connect. Let's and do it. Here we are. So. Yeah. So let's take it back. That was kind of a good overview of everything. <laughs> um, let's take it back. And uh, I want to know, were you already in, how did you get into the real estate space? And did you have those properties that you mentioned, like prior to joining this coaching course? How yeah. did you kind of get into that space? <clears throat> I think for me, now, uh, some of what we do with uh, our uh, capital that we have that we've accumulated and it continues to grow is we're in the private money space, right? So yep. we're loaning people and lending people like you from our pools of capital. And uh, that is something that I have without having what most people have is they actually get into like they have a property or two. Mm -hmm. So many people are like new to this idea of infinite banking. Yep. They don't have that. But, oh, yeah, I mean, I got a rental. Or I have a handful of rentals, but now I need to kind of backtrack and understand there may be a fundamental place maybe to store my capital. But you've taken a more traditional route. So how did you get into real estate? Yeah. And I think the first thing I would say um, just along those lines would be the people that are doing what you're doing and the infinite banking and the people that have this capital they're ready to deploy may not even realize just how incredibly valuable you could be to a They business. don't. And that's why you're here, man. So <clears throat> The people um, that are yeah. looking to do this business, yeah. they, they come to me regularly. People who are looking to like join our mentoring program, for example, and the biggest question is funding. How can I fund a deal like this? I don't have 40K sitting around, or I don't have 80, or I, could, I have a little bit. I could do a deal or two, but deal three, four, and up, what do I do? And um, they don't realize <laughs> you know, that there's so many opportunities out there. So um, it is a great marriage. The, re the way that I got into it is um, the way that a lot of people in my world got into it, which is um, the Bigger Pockets podcast. Okay. Um, yeah. I've always been interested in real estate, driving past a house. It just was fascinating to me that, like, I could own that. That could be my house. And I let people live there, and I could provide safe, clean, comfortable housing, but that's mine. And that always was fascinating to me, but I didn't know how. And the Bigger Pockets podcast was something I just – binged on. They've got 500 some odd episodes. And, um, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this. So I got my first property, um, by, um, telling everybody in my world that I'm looking to buy properties. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going to get the money, but I'm looking to do okay. it. And word of mouth found, a uh, an off market property, got it for about $30,000 under market value. We love the house so much that we actually moved into it. It's where we live today. That's not what you're supposed to do, <clears throat> sir. I know. Stay focused. But the house that I moved out, of okay. that became my first, okay. our first gotcha. rental. All right. So I was that was, say, what that is was this? how we got into it. And then um, shortly thereafter, I joined Ryan's program and was hunting for, actually, no, excuse me. 
um, I was hunting for deals again, not really knowing knowing what I'm doing, but trying to have that bias towards action as the people that I would follow are, are preaching. And um, again, found a great off market deal. My numbers were way off. I didn't know what I was doing. I got in. I spent probably sixty thousand dollars more than I meant to. Yep. Uh, intended to, but this deal still uh, penciled out really well. I'm cash flowing. I don't know twelve, thirteen hundred bucks a month on that oh, deal yeah. Oh, yeah. as a duplex. Um, and as I was rehabbing that house, it was going really poorly. And mm-hmm. that's actually when I joined Ryan's program because I said, I need help. Yeah. And so I got into it kind of just uh, listening um, and decided I'm going to take action. And I did and didn't know what I was doing. I was like, all right, I'm looking for help. And that's where I, you know, found Ryan's program and uh, the rest happened. So moral of the story, um, take action. Oh, yeah. Well, and even the uh, mission that you needed help and you need somebody to coach and walk you through things who'd already been there before. That's powerful. I think there's a lot of people out there who um, in the world we live in are not taking action. Uh, They're just consuming. They're just looking at people like Ryan Pineda's out there or Hormozzi's out there or Grant Cardone's out there or uh, Gary Vee, and they're consuming. But they don't – number one, there's a lot of information. So they don't know where to go, and they don't end up making the right next step because they think, well, there's just so many options I could mess it up. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, there's people in the world that need to um, think before they act. Um, that's a very small percentage. The majority of people need to act after they think. Mm. And so, you know, I talk to people all day about this and what I do, and they're stuck in analysis paralysis. And, and, you know, I I think part of it goes back to um, a um, misconception about risk. We often think about risk as a, as a seminal moment. Like if I, I have one decision here and if it goes well, um, cool, life's great. But if it goes poorly, then the rest of my life is bad. Um, but really, risk is set out, you know, over the course of time. And risk is the result of, you know, the, the outcome of this dis- decision, whether it's a good decision or not, is going to be the result of the next thousand decisions. Right. If you, if you decide you're going to move forward today and then tomorrow you decide you're going to sleep in, you're not going to educate yourself, you're not going to take action, then, yeah, it probably was a pretty poor decision. But if you wake up the next day – and you get the, the right information, you keep doing the, taking the right actions, and you pivot, um, you really begin to spread out risk over a series of decisions, and then you just keep making good decisions. You keep moving forward. So it's like um, you think about all of these future scenarios. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And you forget sometimes that whatever it is that happens, like there's a lot of variables. But don't forget, like one thing that's not a variable is you. Yeah. In that future scenario, you're you're there too. You're in the middle of it. Yeah. And what are you going to do? You think you're just going to go, "Oh, this didn't go perfectly." So, well, I guess uh I guess my life's going to suck. Yeah. Like, no, you're you're going to you're going to stay up later if you have to. You're going to get up earlier if you have to. You're going to you're going to make more phone calls. Like, I'll do whatever I have to do. And so when I began to realize that um taking risk is really not as maybe risky as I thought. Like, you just keep making great decisions. And if there's a thousand decisions and I make 950 of them are really good decisions, then, you know, I'm tilting the, 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 the um, chances strongly in my favor. Right. And so that to Love me it. is useful to getting people to say, hey, there is no one perfect decision. You've got to get going in the right direction, though, and then tomorrow make another good decision. But get going. 
I love it, man. We can end the podcast right there. Pass the plate, right? <laughs> and uh, have an altar call right there. There's a lot of people out there who become in this space ask holes, right? They ask a lot of questions, and then it just goes into a hole, and they never do anything, right? <laughs> so uh, you're a man of action. I love that. So you've decided to start your own kind of brand around your next mission and vision in business. So break that down. I heard the word multifamily earlier. Yeah, that's right. So um, having been exposed to what I've been been exposed to for the last year, the caliber of people, seeing people who you would say maybe aren't the brightest bulbs in the chandelier Mm. jump into things and be wildly successful because they just keep taking good action. They ask good questions. Right. Um, I'm like, all right, what, what, what do I want to do? And the way that I'm wired is I'm looking for something that if, you know, if I'm going to hunt and hunt and hunt and hunt for a great deal, which in real estate, generally speaking, you're going to make your money, you know, on the purchase. So you got to find great deals. I don't want something that where I'm just going to go, um, get that great deal, make 30 K and walk away and go do it again. Like that's my life in sales right now is I start at zero every month and every month I'm, I'm hunting to feed my family. I wanted something that I could, you know, that could be cumulative. I want something that I could purchase today, but it's going to pay me for 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. It's called wealth. Wealth, different than rich is money, right? And wealth is the ability to leverage that money for your own time and space. So we need some passives or some residuals coming in because of our choices. So, yeah, so I'm a, you know, I'm a values-driven guy, and I'm thinking about what, how can I, you know, fulfill my mission on this earth. My mission on the th- this earth is is obviously to honor God with with my time, um, and the way that I do that most practically every day is to be hopefully a great husband and a, and, mm-hmm. and a great dad. And okay, so how can I provide for my wife and provide for my children, not just financially, but how can I provide my children an inheritance of mm-hmm. uh, knowledge and information and an example for when you believe something is right, here's how you create a course of action and go accomplish it. And here's how you schedule your time and here's how you build your relationships and here's how you deal with criticism, whatever it might be. And as I thought through those things, um, the multifamily uh, world kept coming back to, man, if I'm going to buy a property, why would I just buy one house? You know, if I go buy one house that has one roof and it has, you know, um, all this uh, all this risk can be tied up with just one tenant. Okay. Like, why would I not buy something that has one roof but has 20 tenants or 60 tenants? And once I got a hold of how multifamily properties are valued and how they are, um, how, how, do, how you run them as a business, um, just so much about the, the industry um, caught my attention, caught my imagination. And I'm just convinced that for me, um, I can fulfill my mission in this world right. by pursuing multifamily properties right now. I believe that's what God would have me to do. And I believe that's the way that I could uh, best build the wealth that I think, you know, would, would most honor God for uh, providing for my wife and kids. And, and again, really wanting to not just make money, but wanting to leave a legacy yeah. to people around me, but also to my children that this is how you, this is how you do difficult things. This is how you learn things. This is how you um, accomplish um uh, what you believe you're on this earth to accomplish. Uh, well, I'm going to package up this podcast and give it to your kids on their 18th birthday <laughs> so they can understand. This is what dad was trying to do, right? <laughs> I don't know if he you caught on, but uh, I'm his friend, and I want to let you know that. Man, that's beautiful. Yeah. So many people don't view wealth, and we've got plenty of those people, especially when we utilize social media, not in our long form, but sometimes on our short form stuff. And uh, wealth needs to be a tool 
to hit your goals, whatever they may be. We're coming from a faith background, both of us, right, where we have some convictions about why we're here and what we can do mm-hmm. while, while we're here. But uh, I like the way you've phrased it because so many people don't understand riches and money and wealth being a tool or leaving a legacy for a family member. Obviously, in what we deal with day-to-day and helping people get started with their family banking systems will automatically leave a monetary legacy. But if we don't teach the principles around what we normally are talking about, which is the banking system, you're not going to leave the right information. People won't know how to use it. Right. And we're giving people the a big, fat, what could be tool, but it might ruin their life right. because it's, you know, or and you could do the same thing if you're not careful in, in passing along a value system yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, money gives you some sense of um, some sense of power, um, and you could say that some power, you know, um, saves lives, like a doctor, and some power builds bombs and you know destroys people. But it, but uh, it's what you do with it, and you know, I, I've thought you know a lot about this. Like, if I could be, if I if I think through my life, what. What do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? And if I could just imagine that this is the kind of person I want to be, and if I could actually do that, then, like, what would, I, what, what would he do tomorrow? Mm. Like, what would he do? Well, he would structure his life. He yeah. would have you be intentional. He would, you know, lead his kids in, in family devotions. He would um, pursue things that are, that are meaningful. He would spend less time death scrolling on Instagram and more time educating himself on things are going to pay dividends in the long run. And so I've just kind of taken this mentality of, okay, I'm not exactly where, where, where I want to be, but, but I can imagine what, that. What, what would the ideal yeah. guy, what yeah. would he do? Yeah. Well, whatever he would do tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I may not be that guy, but I can act like him for a day. And then tomorrow I'm going to try to do the same thing. And at the, at the end of the day, I'm going to review my day and go, I wasn't really that guy here for about two hours, you know, or whatever, but so be it. Like tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to act like that guy again. And so, um, yeah, so my goal is to, uh, all those things have led me to where I'm at now. And and I feel like one of the best ways that I can live out this, this mission is, um, pursuing multifamily properties. And of course, as we uh, were talking earlier, launching a podcast, kind of documenting that journey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this business. Um, I'm educating myself regularly. I've surrounded myself with people who are doing this at a really high right. level. People yeah. that have thousands of units have done dozens of deals and getting to know them, but I haven't done it yet. And so, you know, if you're kind of like, oh man, you know, somebody who would start, you know, a podcast must know all this stuff and have all these deals. That's not me. Um, okay. <laughs> There's a the pitch. So <laughs> first episode coming out. That's not yeah. me, but I'm going to get there. Yeah. Like, or I'm going to get, like I told you, you know, in the tech, or I'm going to hit by, by a bus. I mean, but like, that's, that's what's going to, you got to die either way. You might as well learn about multifamily on the journey. <laughs> but the point is that's, what's going to take to stop me. I'm just yeah. committed. This is what I'm going to do. And so, um, yeah. So I'm starting a podcast to document that journey of what am I actually doing every day? I'm trying to think five years ago, what would the five year ago version of me mm. want? And what would I find <coughs> useful if I want to pursue Maybe multifamily, hopefully multifamily, but but if I want to pursue a different life, if I want to pursue how to be better at whatever I'm doing, what would be useful and what would have I found useful? And that's what I'm going to try to document. Like literally, here's phone. Here's how many phone calls I make. Sure. Yeah. Here's how. Here's here's the deals. Here's how I'm crunching the numbers. Um, and I 
my goal would be like, let's just say six months from now, I get my first deal. My goal would really be that you could look, you know, through the lens of my podcast and really have a good feel. If I want to pursue this, this is really realistically kind of what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some people stumble into deals. I don't think I'm going to get lucky and stumble into a deal. I'm going to be making a lot of phone calls, analyzing a lot of deals, making offers. Um, but that's that's the goal. The harder you work, the luckier you get. So that's eventually, that's right. Eventually, there yeah. will be those deals that come to you because you've created that environment and that pool of resource and knowledge and yeah. people and all that type of stuff. So <clears throat> let me ask you something that I wouldn't plan it on asking, and I don't want you to because you have been vulnerable with us. I'm yeah. going to ask you something where I think you're going to have to be vulnerable. Yeah. So when I said, "Hey, Steve, come on my podcast. I want to promote what you're doing. I think that our audience is going to be very interested in your journey." listening, following along, and potentially funding deals if we can be a part of that in the future. I hope that's on the table. I hope you guys are thinking that. But I had to explain to you what we've been doing. You've heard those terms once or twice, right? Infinite banking and maybe some other terms that might mean the same thing. And uh, I just gave you a little bit of a rundown. Tell me what your perception was and still is maybe of what we've got going on because I know it's brand new and kind of fresh for you. So, just what is your thought and background on that? You've been working with some high rollers. You've been seeing some things going on in real estate. You've heard of this term, or hadn't you? Or what was your kind of relationship to it? Yeah. I mean, kind of like we maybe talked earlier, My, I think the first time that I heard about it was um, through the lens of, of our good buddy Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, a lot of love for Dave Ramsey. Uh, you know, I think he's a good guy, very much a net positive, I think, in the world. Oh, but, for sure. Um, yeah, didn't know anything about it, yeah. and so, um, but, but being in the world that I'm in with you know these kind of uh, pretty well known um, influencers and entrepreneurs, there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money doing different things. I mean, I was um, interacting with a gentleman the other day um, who was talking about the money he's made. Um, buying and selling and investing in Arabian racing horses. Of course. And so you don't, you you don't hear a lot about, but dude, people are making bank, right? People making crazy money. I've been to Dubai. And so the more, there's some crazy things going on if they're over there. I'm assuming they are. I, it's Arabia. I don't know. Dubai's in Arabia. Yeah, I guess. So I would say maybe unlike some people that might, you know, uh, tendency to be like, I don't understand this. Um, immediately the, the shields go up. I would say from my background, I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is. Tell me more. I want to know more. And the way that you broke it down just with the three cups, um, I could not sit here and explain everything of, of, of how it works, but um, I'm fascinated by yeah, it. Yeah, and it, interesting. It, it, it? it comes across to me as <clears throat> it, it, an intentional um, financial tool that can be used, um, and it gives people the opportunity to – um, make decisions with their own wealth in a way that they wouldn't be able to otherwise and kind of taking the power away from, oh, you know, uh, the, 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 the man, the central banking system. The that, man, you know, right. You don't see a lot of banks that, you know, don't have like granite countertops. You know what I mean? There we like go. Somebody, you know what they put on the counter? What do they, when you bring money. your kids to the bank, what do they put on the counter for your kids? Oh, Lollipops, suckers, because we are the yes, because they got us. They took all of our money. It. We talked about that. They it. took all of yeah. our money. Yeah. Then they moved it and they made all of the money and the profit 
And then we are the ones who took the risk. We are the ones who actually did the deals. We're the ones who bought the stuff. We're trying to help people understand what if you controlled the banking function in your life? Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, uh, to the general public, um, you know, the bank does provide some kind of basic utility. We've got to have a Visa card, yes. Yeah, we're just like, hey, that gives us, you know, this is just the the, the price to pay. But when you can break it down and show me how, you know, you are, um, I'm not, I'm not getting cheated out of my money necessarily, but do you know what they're doing with your money? Do you you know you could do that yourself? Um, that, that, that you're going to make a great Austrian. If you're not already an Austrian, Austrian economist moving toward the political theory of libertarianism. You're on your way. You're on your way. Okay. I don't know if you all are ready for that yet. We haven't talked about that much on our podcast, but we're mostly breaking down the nuts and bolts of the product and the process. But okay. So tell us where you feel that a person who's listening to our podcast, person who's considering or starting up or doing for a few years, their infinite banking system. Is there room for us to invest and be a part of what you're doing in your journey? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Um, and you know, so when, when you're looking at multifamily properties, I mean, let's say I'm looking at a, a small deal, you know, let's say it's a $2 million deal. Okay. Um, if I'm going to go get, um, a loan from, you know, uh, some kind of bank yep. on this property, I'm probably going to be putting down 30% on that loan. Got it. And so, you know, 30% of 200 K is what? $600,000. Um, I can. Or 2 million. Yeah. Of 2 million. You said 600,000. I think you said it. 600,000 would be. 30% of 2 million. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I can look at that $2 million property and we can analyze that deal. And it's like, if you can, if you can help that apartment building, you know, increase their income and decrease their expenses, then you can multiply that NOI by the cap rate. And suddenly that property goes from a $2 million property to a $2.7 million property or, an eight, or a $3 million property or, or more. Um, there is money to be made there, but I cannot make that money unless we can get the property under contract and we can't do that without lenders, without people. And so, um, it's just incredibly important. And there are people who their entire job, their multifamily is a team sport. You got people that got to look at deals and negotiate deals. You got people that have to raise money. You got people that got to like be the person that works with the bank to, to acquire the funding. You got, you've got to manage the property. There's people who their entire living is they simply go to people like you or people like your audience and say, let me share these opportunities with you. Are you interested? If you are, cool, let's get the money together. We'll put the money down. And then you'll get a certain cut of equity in that deal because all they did was um, round up investors to give their money. So if you can have some kind of pipeline into these investors where you don't have to have someone – necessarily raising the money for you, like I'm saying from an investor perspective, if I don't have to give away 15% of my deal to someone because he, I'm simply paying him because he's got the relationships with people like you. Right. If I can just go directly to lenders, I can cut you guys in on equity. Yeah. And so if, um, it's just, I I know we're getting uh, into minutiae and I'm talking about uh, a deal where I haven't broken down the numbers or anything, but I could give you a guaranteed return on your money, but the guy that, rounded all the money up, he's going to get equity in the deal. Yeah. If we can actually establish relationships with the lenders themselves, you can get a return on your money plus equity. I mean, we're seeing, you know, 
25, 35, 40% return yeah. um, for some private lenders. And so on deals. So it, it it's a complete game changer. It's, it's, um, it's what allows the people that know how to make money in deals do it. And again, I think so many people that could be private lenders just don't re- recognize how valuable they can be um, in that, it, you know, in that kind of transaction. Love it, man. Okay, we're going to stop it there because I want to invite you to do something with us again. So you start to walk and talk us through some things. And hopefully I've whet your appetite on what it could be that our people bring to your new business model, man. So we wish you well. We're looking forward to finding you somewhere out there. So where do we find you and continue to follow? Yeah, so um, the podcast is called Mission Multifamily. Um, kind of, I guess, play on words on Mission Impossible. Right. But really born out of um, my mission. This is why I'm on this earth, um, is to you know um, fulfill the responsibilities we talked about earlier. This is the avenue that I'm doing that. And so for me, it is my mission. So Mission Multifamily, um, the podcast will be you know everywhere the podcasts um, are um, played. And then, of course, um, the website will be Mission Multifamily as well. Um, and we'll have information on there about deals we're doing, actual deal flow. Um, going to have a regular e- email newsletter where uh, I'll be sending it out to people that are interested in and actually showing you real deals that I'm doing. And like, hey, here's why a deal di- did or didn't work. Um, and really trying to educate people along the way. So Mission Multifamily, um, we've recorded the first the first pod and uh, be coming out soon and look forward to uh, keep cranking away. And I would love to be back. I would love, love it. it. Let's if, do um, it. If this could be the sort of thing that would be of use to your your, your crowd. All right. Very good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, a fan follow of the week. We've got a shout out here as we close up to my man, Grayson. Grayson Sharpia just followed us on our one of our TikTok handles at The Banking Bros. And this dude has been uh, inquiring for a little while about getting himself started with his first privatized banking system. So, Grayson, I know you out there. I see you following us, and it's a new follow, even though we're already friends. This dude was a Clemson cheerleader. And I, for those of you who didn't know, used to be involved with Clemson Athletics and things like that. So, Grayson, I know you out here somewhere in South Carolina, wherever you are. I don't remember Anderson or something like that. Appreciate you following us. For everybody else, find us out there on all of our handles. We look forward to having this man, Steve Andrews, back. Mission Multifamily sometime soon in the future. And we look forward to uh, watching your podcast and VOD and all that stuff grow and being a part of it, man. Dude, this has been so great. Yeah, man, I've always appreciated you. Love you and appreciate you uh, having me here. This has been really cool. Love it. I love what you're doing. All right. Talk soon, guys.